Hello and welcome to Holly's Hotspurs, where I, your host, Holly Agambar, will be talking all the latest news and gossip, along with a few heated opinions on the club we all love, Tottenham Hotspur. Now you can watch this unfold live with me and my guests over on YouTube at my channel, Holly Agambar. But for now, let's sit back and discuss what has been happening at Tottenham. Hopefully, we've been living lavish. Another episode of Holly Spurs, and to be honest with you, I'm trying to find the energy to try and talk about that <laughs> game, but my God, I just don't know where I'm going to find it from. I'm wearing black to mourn the death of the club because that's how I'm feeling at the moment. <laughs> but with me tonight to try and go and dissect that game against Manchester United, I have two lovely guests. First with me, I have Abby Summers. Abby, how are you feeling after yesterday's result? <laughs> I mean... Like I just said to you before we started, I try not to get so wound up anymore because I just don't even think it's worth it. We all know what's going to happen before we even kick off. Um, so how do I feel? I feel how I feel every week at the minute. I feel just completely despondent about it, annoyed. Um, but it's the same cycle and it's it's a never-ending cycle. So I'm just I'm just at a loss with with how we've managed to regress so much. And I know how it's happened. I think we all know how it's happened. But you know, it's just how how we can move forward from here. I just can't see a way forward at the minute for us. I think that's the real struggle with everyone trying to pick themselves up. The only way I've looked forward to it is the fact that gyms and the pubs are open. So that's the that's the main <laughs> thing to look at it. Um, and obviously, I'm also joined by Patrick. Patrick, how are you today on this fine Monday? Oh, I'm okay. I mean, personally, I'm good. But as a Spurs fan, I'm down in the dumps. I just, yeah. It just feels it just feels like it's a never-ending cycle. It's like a nightmare, isn't it? And it's like a bad dream and you can't get out of it. And yeah. Um I'm angry, I'm upset. And I just feel I just feel a disconnect to the club. I mean, we're gonna get into it, we're gonna sit down and chop it up, but I just feel disconnected from the club at the moment and I don't feel like there's anything to look forward to. So yeah, I'm not good in that regard. <laughs> Such a vibe, isn't it? Such a vibe. <laughs> Um, I know, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. It's all right, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, like Cody says, he's waiting for me to say they're a bunch of eggs and he's done it for me, so there we go. But anyway, (laughs) back to that game. So I don't know about you guys, but as soon as the team sheet came out, I had an absolute nightmare. Obviously, I think, I'm hoping we're all feeling the same in the sense of Eric Dyer. So, Abby, (laughs) I come to you. What on earth is going through Jose's mind in starting, in code words, that egg, it's centre-back. What, what are your words for him? I mean, well, you'd have to also ask the same questions Gareth Southgate. How on earth is Eric Dyer getting, you know, an England call-up is beyond me. Um, and yeah, you know, look, start of the season, couldn't really knock him. We were playing well or we were grinding out results, getting them somehow, you know, despite not playing the greatest football I've ever seen. Um, but I, I don't know how he's in that side. Um, look, you see Toby on the bench and for Toby's age, whatever, I guess that plays a part in, into it. But you still can't deny that he's probably the best centre-back we have at the club uh, when you compare him to the others. So, you know, starting him alongside Roden, surely that would be great. I, I have no issue with Joe Roden, actually. I think he's he's actually quite promising, but I think that he needs someone next to him um, who's got experience, who's, um, you know, can guide him. And I think that pairing him with a Davinson Sanchez or an Eric Dyer is not the solution. So you can only think that Toby has said something or, you know how Jose is. You see him rotate, you see him start someone like, you know, Matt Doherty, week after week over Aurier and for what it's worth on Aurier I feel he's actually improved a fair bit in the last 18 months to two years so 
he'd always be my first choice over Matt Doherty regardless. But you you see Jose make these decisions and you just, you have to question, oh, has he said something in training? Has he done something? Because there's no logical reason why, especially with our defensive issues, that anyone with half a brain cell would think that Eric Dyer is a better option over, to over Toby. It just doesn't register. So, of course, the second you see a Dyer-Sanchez partnership or a Dyer or a Sanchez in anything, you immediately have that, oh, that, that feeling where you're like, well, this is just not probably going to end well at all. But you have a little bit more reassurance in how Toby can play and coaching whoever's next to him um, into maybe having a bit more stability and trust back there. But as soon as you see Eric Dyer on the team sheet, for me, it's always, uh, always going to be a bad day. <laughs> That's the thing, it just set me off right from the start. I literally looked at the team sheet and I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And that's the thing with Toby, <laughs> no matter who he's back at the back with, I feel a bit more confident. So, mm. Patrick, that being said, what would be your ideal? How would you have set up against Man United with that back four? Would Dyer have been straight out the door? Yeah, Dyer wouldn't have started for me. He would have been on the bench if that. Um, it, it has to be Toby. Toby is our best centre-back. Yes, he's not as quick and as dynamic as he used to be. But he's still our best centre-back. So for me, it's always Toby plus one. And right mm. now, it'd be Toby and Roden. So with Toby, I mean, we're only playing once a week now. So there's no more excuses of, uh, if Toby plays in the week, he can't play on the weekend and all of that. Toby needs to start and with Roden next to him. Like Abby said, Roden looks really promising. He looks like a very good player. I mean, even yesterday, he bailed out um, quite a few times and covered him when Dyer lost his man. And I mean, you look at the Man United team, you know they're going to have I mean, Cavani is probably one of the best, uh, basically, inside-the-box movement players in, in, in the Premier League. And uh, the amount of times that Dyer lost him yesterday, if it wasn't for Roden mm. making a last-ditch tackle or getting across, we could have been battered. And I know 3-1 is a bad loss anyway, but it could have been a lot worse. We were lucky a goal got chalked up anyway, so it could have been 4-1. Um, and, yeah, I just don't understand. I really don't understand it. Unless something's happened behind the scenes that we're not aware of, it makes no sense why uh, Toby isn't starting week in and week out. I 100% uh, agree with you both, actually. I mean, it's just interesting what Cody said. I mean, you going back to saying that something's obviously maybe happened behind the scenes. I mean, we've heard this thing that Jose's trying to search for this mole. Now, for me, it, as much as I've tried to, to back Jose, because like I said, he's our manager, like it's just petty child fifths. I think that's the kind of thing that we're trying to allude hmm. to. Why not play your best centre-back, because he's bailed us out so many times. You know Eric Dyer's definitely got a mistake in him. And like we've all said, Rodon and Toby is a better fit than Rodon and Dyer. So, like I said, I'm just completely confused by it all. But going off, obviously, from that starting eleven, the game kicked off, and I don't know how you guys felt, but I kind of felt we actually tried to attack on the front foot a bit more this game. I felt like a bit more confident in the way we set up. And obviously, we saw Sonny back in the team. Now, obviously, there was a bit of controversy, but how nice was it, Abby, to see Sonny back in that team with Harry Kane? It was great because, you know, when you look at our squad and you look at the, you know, the positive things about our side, you know, Sonny's one of them, um, alongside Harry Kane. And I think in this, you know, the second half of the season where it's been awful, it's been really difficult to find positive things. Um, and it was great to see him back. It was great to sort of see him get a goal. I think that was his first goal in 13 games or something. It's just mental that he hadn't scored for that long of a period and you just would never expect that. But what worried me more was the interview after the game. Um, and I'm sure we've all seen it. It was, you know, seeing someone that is visibly upset about what's going on at the club, what is happening on the pitch. And it's just that there is something that is not right. And, I, you know, whether Jose's searching for a mole or not, I don't think it's 
I don't think it takes a genius to work out. It's not just going to be one mole that is doing this. I mean, he's been at enough clubs. He's going to know. It's not just one. There, there's, they're all of them. You know, they all talk to the media. They all leak things that they want leaked out. It's common sense. And I do think the media do, you know, manipulate things on Jose sometimes. And I think that's why, you know, post match yesterday we saw. Um, you know, he was very, you know, kind of quiet, staying away from, you know, outing the players because he knows whatever he says, they're going to twist it. And okay, I understand that approach, but you just see Son and how 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 much of an impact he's always been for us, and what an incredible player he walks into most teams in Europe, and you just see him after the game, and you're like, that's not Son. Something is really deep rooted here, and it's it's just feeding the to- like the toxicness throughout everywhere. And if you think about I mean, for him to go 13 games without scoring, it's just unheard of. And I know he's obviously missed a couple, but as good as it was to see him back, I was more concerned about how he looked post-match. I think that's a real problem for us. And I'm glad you brought that up, Abby, because for me, seeing that, I was just like, we have just broken the happiest man in football because he's always (laughs) smiling. No matter whether it's in training or in a game, he's always smiling. And we've completely broken and destroyed him. Now, for me, I think it's a whole load of different factors that are accumulating towards it but let's be honest Jose at the moment isn't really helping his case and I want to come to you Patrick quickly because obviously there was a bit of controversy in that game which included Sonny now I kind of want to get both your takes but Patrick I'll come to you first do you think that was necessarily a foul on Sonny for McTominay or do you think maybe the way that modern football is going that maybe it was a little too harsh on McTominay Oh, it's a tricky one because as a Spurs fan, obviously you want that given um, and you'd always say yes. So as a, as a Spurs fan, of course I want that given. As a football fan, is it soft? Yes. But does it happen week in and week out? Yes. So, I mean, and nine times ten, uh, the, you know, the foul is given and the card is given. So I didn't mm. understand why if they gave the foul, which it was in my opinion, he did hit out. Uh, he did hit Sonny in the face, so only Son knows how hard the you know the contact was. But in the in the modern game, as soon as you get fouled or you get hit, you go down. If you don't react, we've seen mm. Sterling and Foden stay on their feet and fouls or penalties not get given. So you know you know to go down. Obviously, make the most of it, which Son did, and thankfully for us, they pulled it back. But the, my point is, if McTominay uh, is already on a yellow and that is a foul, regardless if it's accidental or not. It's a foul, there's contact. It should have been a second card, which would have been, you know, a, a sending off. Mm. Yeah, 100% agree. And that's the thing, like, obviously what Kev said here about the elbow of Pogba. Now, surely, didn't Sky come out and say, oh, it's because Pogba's taller, this, that and the other, but surely that's contact again. I think the so frustrating thing about football at the moment is that VAR was brought in to stop this controversy and it's creating more. I think that's mm. the thing that's really starting to irritate me. So, Abby, going off of that, do you think, obviously, Patrick's given his side of the story. Do you agree with Patrick or can you see a different kind of side to the argument? No, I, I totally agree with Patrick. And I was I was going to just bring that up, the, the Pogba thing, because for me, that that's another thing. That's another foul. You know, you see that given quite a few times as well. And I, I feel that the biggest problem that we've got in general with football the minute is it's so inconsistent and you know you see things being given as a penalty one week then they review it you know after the controversy and then they say oh actually no you guys were right it's not actually a penalty but the game's already gone the three points are either won or lost or and, and it's moved on but you've cost a team three points then you know just to take us back to Newcastle you know early on in the season that Eric Dyer one that's three points 
You know, that's three points that we lost on a thing that, on, a, on a penalty that was never a penalty. And we see, we see it not just for Spurs, with, with, all, with all teams throughout the season. Very, very controversial. And the whole point of VAR was to make the game better, you know. And if anything, I think it's made it worse. It makes it unenjoyable. You can't celebrate a goal. You've got to wait two, three seconds to see anything. You know, even the rule with not putting the flag up until it's hit the back of the net when you know it's offside. Yeah. Things like that. It's just these things don't benefit the game. They don't benefit the, you know, a fan's perspective. They don't benefit a referee. They don't they, they don't benefit a club, anything. So I had no issue with VAR coming in. I was actually happy to see it because I was sick of, you know, the mistakes that you see refs make week in, week out. But only if it was going to benefit the game, you know, the take that there is no what you know what they constitute is clear and obvious. I don't always think it's clear and obvious. Sometimes it is clear it isn't clear and obvious and they give it and I think that's where people get their back up so much with VAR because, you know, sport is spontaneous. Football is spontaneous. It's, you know, you, you can have the small margin, the margins that go either way and they do even themselves out over a course of the season. But I just feel with VAR, it doesn't. And, you know, you, we saw last season after the restart, I think it was Aston Villa and I think it might have been Sheffield. Um, and oh, I can't remember the game, but there was a big decision in that game. And, you know, it could have been the difference between Villa staying up or Villa going down as far as I remember it. And, these things are just getting worse. I think after after last season, I thought surely they're going to improve it, but I think this season has been even worse. I have agree. Oh yeah, go Patrick, go. Oh, oh, I think we've lost him. <laughs> Call him Patrick. <laughs> Wait, that's a good. That's a that's a good look. He's frozen on. Yes, <laughs> isn't he? It's calm and collected. It's calm and collected. Um, if we just move on quickly, so Lee White, he's put a, a, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with this. It's quite a good look on the whole VAR thing. I mean, we've kind of sat here and spoken a little bit about Jose, and I think we will get into a bit more about him. But, Abby, do you think that maybe, obviously, Jose is trying to install this winning mentality, and I think <laughs> most of them just can't cope with it. Do you think this maybe has something to do with the fact that, obviously, we're trying to use VAR to maybe cover up, not some mistakes, but cover up some things in our play that we really shouldn't have. We should have ridiculed out if we had Jose in. Do you think there's something not quite right with the way Jose's trying to lead this team? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I've I've always been very, well, not always, you know, last season I was very um, open about the fact I didn't think it was the right appointment and um, I wasn't happy about the Pochettino sacking and I didn't think that Jose was the right man. I thought it was a very much um, a marriage of convenience for him and Daniel Levy. Um, from both sides um, but obviously after the documentary came out the season started I was like you know what I'm going to give this guy a fair crack of the whip they're not going to be biased it's a new season we've got to move on from Pochettino he's here let's back the manager um, and I've been very much on the fence I'm not Jose I haven't been Jose in I haven't been Jose out because I can understand there are very big deep-rooted problems within the club that don't just fall on Jose's shoulders they um, they fall on the squad and they also massively fall on the board as well it's, it's a combination of all three and I've said this for many many years um, as to why we always are the nearly men and we never make it over the line and you know sometimes the recruitment is questionable and, and various things whether or not I thought he would be able to change the mentality yes I did I thought if anyone can you know change this way of thinking that, that Spurs have I would have always thought it would have been Jose regardless of if I liked him on a personal note or not you can't argue with what he had won in the past so I thought okay if there's a manager you want in a final or big games it's probably him um but I'm seeing 
less and less of the Jose that, you know, we've, we've seen five, ten years ago. And I'm seeing way more of the manager. We saw the back end of Chelsea, the second stint, and United. And he came out and he said, oh, I've learned my lessons and things like that when he joined. And I just don't think he's learned his lessons. Sometimes a leopard just doesn't change its spots. And as toxic as the club is and the, the, the issues do outdate Jose, the last game that I was at with fans was the Norwich game and when Eric Dyer jumped in the crowd and I just remember the atmosphere was so toxic and I just think if if fans would have been in the stadium after what we've all watched the last three, four months, I just don't know whether or not he would have been there. I, I just don't. Imagine being booed off every single week and I, I also think that the players can't be held unaccountable. I think that they massively should be held accountable um, because fundamentally they are still a lot of the same squad that was there under Pochettino and let him down too. So there's a lot of questions, but unfortunately you can't sack a 25-man squad, 24 if you take Kane out of that. But that's right. the problem. 100%. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking to myself, this is probably the last roll of the dice for Enic before they had to invest players. You think mm. about it, let's bring in a, a chosen winner to try and take this team that let's let's not be frank we're, we're not blind to the idea that these players have been here forever forever you said it yourself they've been here for a very long time and they should have not necessarily won something by now but they should have that hunger to win something mm. and that mm. Zagreb game and that North London derby completely did me in because they don't need motivation from a manager to play well in those games you think I completely yourself, agree you and that's the thing that really irritates me and and don't get me wrong I've probably been not Jose's biggest advocate but I've sat her and I've thought to myself that man has done it everywhere. Why can't he do it at Tottenham? And <laughs> I think that's that's the thing for me. And I, I don't know what you kind of feel like. Do you feel like it was probably the last roll of the dice from Enic before they had to like start investing in, in players? I, I don't think they really care, to be honest with you. I don't think they give a toss as long as they balance the books. And look, we could say that we had a great we had a great window in the summer. You know, we we did sign good players. Hoyberg's been a good signing. Revion's been a good signing. Roden will most likely be a good signing. Like I said, I I. I I've got a lot of potential, I feel there is with him. Um, you know, Gareth Bale, we took we were all buzzing to see him back. It obviously hasn't worked out. Maybe under a different manager it does work out. Who knows? Um, but for me, I feel I feel that you can't buy heart. You can't coach having heart in a squad. And you look at those players yesterday, just you know, the last six minutes of the game when we conceded the, the third goal, they're not fighting for it, they're not bothered, they're just they're walking around. There was, you know, there was no urgency. I felt in that second half. I'm watching it, and I'm, I'm looking at Lucas Mora, who I actually do feel is quite passionate and loves the club and has heart. But I see him walking into the box. You know, when they're trying to try and ish to create something, just walking and strolling into the box, and no urgency from anyone. You know, Sissoko walking around. No one doing the utmost. No one cares enough for the badge. And that's what gets my back up the most because you're Tottenham Hotspur. Yes, you play for a very you play for a big club. You haven't won anything, you know. You're not Manchester City. You haven't earned the right. And like you touched on with Zagreb, they turned up at Zagreb thinking the game's won. How many times over the years have we seen Tottenham do that? And it's a it's a mentality thing. It's not caring enough. Think it's like thinking you're bigger you're, you're bigger than you are. Too big for your boots. In fact, you know, don't be disrespectful. Turn up, play the game. That's what you're paid to do. It's your job, and you get a lot of money in order to do it. So have respect for the club. Even if you don't want to be there, if you want to, if, if you wish you were somewhere else, you wish you had a different gaffer, whatever. But you know, you're you're playing for the badge, you're playing for the club. 
And it just really, really annoys me when I see players putting in the lack of effort. And I think we saw that mostly in the North London derby, which out of all the games to pick, to have that attitude in, couldn't have picked a worse one. And I just think Villa, we saw it a little bit. You saw players like Lucas Moura in that game, really giving it their all and trying to prove a point. But I just don't think they're up for it. I don't think they care. And I think that, unfortunately, as I said, this does also outdate Mourinho. I've seen it happen many a times, you know, over the years. I've been supporting this club for, you know, what am I, 20, 27 now. I've been supporting this club for 23 years. And like loads of us on here have seen us come where we've just, you know, you've expected so much more from Tottenham and they turn up and it depends what Tottenham turns up. And yesterday I did an Instagram post tonight and I asked the question, what does everyone think it's going to, you know, what's going to happen today? And I said, me personally, it will just depend on what Tottenham turns up, if they can be bothered, if they can't. And that's that's our fault because, well, it's our board's fault because we've let so many of that squad go stale that they don't even think they're really bothered. They're just sitting there happy to pick up their paycheck. That's it. And for me, you want players at your club that fight for the badge. And if they don't, I don't want them anywhere in my club. Don't care who they are. Don't care if they're Gareth Bale. Don't care if, you know, even hypothetically, if it was Harry Kane and he didn't want to play for the badge anymore. I don't want players like that. And that's not me saying Harry Kane wants to leave, by the way, before anyone gets on my back. I'm just saying I don't care who it is, you know. The, the, The badge on the front of your shirt is more important than the name on the back. And it's a very famous saying. I think Rowan Roberts said it. And it's a very true and famous saying because as a fan you love your club whoever's the manager whoever's in the squad you know if we were in the championship if we were in league one we'd all still be there you know but with them players no probably not but while you're there you're in the premier league you had the chance to go forth you had the chance to make something out of a season that's been awful you know and you could have just done that and it's just the lack of effort and it's it's just got to a point now where it's like I don't even enjoy watching it. And I'm happy in a way that I'm not there because imagine going to watch it every week. At least you can turn the telly off when you've had enough. Exactly. I I echo those words because, like you say, I feel like sometimes I put more passion into the club than half those players running around Mm -hmm. the pitch. I mean, we've seen it with Van Gaal. I've got him behind me and I have him behind me for banter now because he's just completely (laughs) annoyed me. But Harry (laughs) Winks, for example, is more concerned about getting into the England squad. Well, hang on, Mm -hmm. mate. If you're more concerned about getting the England squad, actually show your worth on the Tottenham pitch first. That's the mm. thing that really, really irritates me and grates me. Now, I don't know where Patrick's gone. I'm not sure where he's, he's gone off to, but um, I'm sure he'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, but slightly moving away, obviously, we did get a goal, and I know it was only a, a consolation goal, but that just highlights what we can do. And I just mm. don't know why we don't go and do that all the time. Now, obviously, we saw in the second half that Jose decides to bring on... Oh, here he is. Here he is. He's back. Back. <laughs> uh, so sorry about that. I've got Sky Q as well, so it should it should hold up. So yeah, just <laughs> like, like, just like Sky. Yeah, hold on. Um, but we were just talking about obviously how the players aren't seeming to play their worth. Now, Patrick, we've had Abby's kind of thoughts on it. I want to quickly hear your thoughts. So obviously, we've spoke about obviously they're not showing their passion or pride on the pitch. Now, I hold we both hold them accountable for that. What's your kind of take on it? What, what's going on? with the players at Tottenham. Yeah, I just think that they're not buying into Jose's system or Jose's philosophy. I feel that the, you know, the the star performers like your Harry Kane, your Sons, Hoiberg, Lloris, I think those guys will play for whoever's in charge. They're winners, they want to win and they're buying into the philosophy that Jose is a proven winner and if you stick with him, then, you know, potentially there's gold at the end of the rainbow. 
But I feel with all the other guys, I think he's lost them already. Obviously, bringing people in, isolating them, you know, your Deli Ali's, your Eric Dyer's, even Davidson Sanchez, all these guys that are like in and out. I don't think they really believe in Jose and they're not really giving that all. I would say Lucas, you could add Lucas to the, the list of the guys that will one for a brick wall for Jose because you can see whenever Lucas Moura plays even if he's not having a good game he gives us all for mm. the shirt and for the badge but I just feel that it, there's, a, there's a big division in the squad you can see it you can see the guys that are for Jose and the ones that aren't and obviously you know to win a game um, you need everyone sitting on the same hymn sheet you need everyone pulling together and I just don't mm. think we have that cohesion at the moment and that 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 uh, unity and um, against the well, against anyone in the Premier League, if you're not at it and you don't give 100%, you can get beat. West Brom will beat mm. you, Southampton will beat you. You know, anyone can beat you if you're not on your A game. And I just feel that you can kind of see, and, and even um, from yesterday's heartbreaking interview from Sonny at the end, it just seems like he's broken. I think yesterday was the last straw for him. And mm. you can just, you know, everyone's shoulders are dropped. There's no fight. If we can go a goal behind or two goals behind, you know, usually you'll see a fight and and a, and a belief in a team that knows that they can still get a result, but we just don't seem to have that anymore. I know it's like you said. I just don't know where these players are going to find their motivation from. It's obviously yeah, but they they, um, they have to find their own motivation, regardless of who that you know who's in charge. You've you've got to have some personal pride, you know, and. Yeah. That that I that's what I'm saying. Like, like I said earlier, Patrick, you missed it. And I said about playing for the badge. You know, you've got hundreds of thousands of fans, millions of fans over the world. You know, this is a club, and I just feel like this is this is the modern day footballer. This is player power. And sometimes when you don't like a manager, they just down tools. And we've we've seen it happen multiple times with Jose. We've seen it happen with loads of managers. You know, worldwide. But at the end of the day, like, okay, not everyone likes their boss. You know, Patrick, do you like your boss? Holly, do you like your boss? <laughs> You've still got to do your job. And this is this is for me, like I must I, I think to myself sometimes when you look at like older players, like former players who played in like the 90s, um, you know, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they must be turning, you know, at thinking about this. It's a man's game that has been taken over by spoiled boys, and it annoys yeah. me so much. Too much money, too young, too much power. And it annoys me because not everyone likes what they do in life. Not everyone likes their manager. But you know what? You have a job and do it. And if you're seen walking about against United with six minutes to go and you're just strolling about, wait, you know, while Pog was doing tricks and flicks in the corner, that's outrageous. You can't be doing that. Not when you're sitting there getting 100 grand a week. You know, if you're getting £10 an hour, maybe. But we're not talking about people like that. And for me, when you're on TV every single week, and you're you 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 know you're what you 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 know what the pandemic's done to people, and the only good thing that people have is watching their team a lot of the time, and then you're just putting in half-assed performances like that, especially in like in you know going back to that North London derby. It's just for me, it's just unforgivable. Yeah. I 100% agree with what you're saying, and it, I want to touch on Deli Ali because someone's asked about in Deli uh, about Deli Ali in the chat now. For me, Deli Ali is that type of player that you've just described. I mean, the player that will just turn up. He's too young. And I think that he was taking Tony Cade on so young. And now he's got a chip on his shoulder. So, Patrick, what are your thoughts on Deli Ali? Do you think he needs to go in the summer? Do you want to keep him? You know, you know what? You hit the nail on the head there, Holly. And I was about to say, you know, um, literally, I was going to chip in with what Abby said. And Deli Ali fits that mould to a team. Uh, talented, fantastic player. 
you know, had the world at his feet at such a young age. I think these guys, they live in a bubble. They don't live in the real world. They've never had to work and they've never really had to grind. The talent has always brought them through. They've been, they've been basically, you know, put, put in a position of privilege from such a young age. So the ones that make it, I don't think they have a sense of real reality. Like Abby said, we don't get to choose our boss. We might not like our boss, but if we don't turn up and put a shift in, we'll get fired. But these guys know, you know, there's 11, 12, 15 superstars, more than likely they're outlast their boss. And we saw what happened at United. We saw what happened with Pogba, you know, having arguments with Jose in front of the cameras, Luke Shaw as well. And now you, you pretty much know once we, we get a new manager, if we do get a new manager, in, we'll probably see the best of Dele, uh, Dele Ali again. And to be fair, that will piss me off because mm. why didn't he play like that now? Look how many, mm. you know, look how many times Dele's come on and basically been mediocre, not really put a shit in, not really tracked, not really done as all. Um, so it's so annoying. To be fair, I don't want to see Dele Ali go because I know he's such a talented player. But if he's going to have this stinking attitude that he's got right now, then yeah, just go. Let us cash in on him and get someone in that wants to play. Um, you know, Tottenham is still one of the biggest teams and the best teams in the world. Yes, we're going through a rough patch now. But at the end of the day, if you don't feel pride and you don't feel like you're in a position of privilege to play for such a big team, then just bounce. It don't matter who you are. I mean, exactly. if that's Son... Harry Kane, I mean, I hate to say it because Son and Harry Kane don't fit into this mould, but I'm just trying to say no matter who you are, if you're not really at it, just go. I'm so glad you said that too, so I won't be the only one. Yeah. When you were off getting your Wi-Fi back, I said the exact same thing. And I said, before anyone says it, I'm not saying I want Harry Kane to go. I'm just making a point. Exactly, exactly that. Exactly. I got a bit passionate there and I got a bit carried away. But yeah, not Son and not Kane. No, not not at all. But no, that's that's what we need to be talking about though, because it's true. If you're if you're playing for our club and you're not feeling anymore, just leave because we've had these same stale players for so long and it's I'll give I'll give you a prime I'll give you a prime example. Sorry to interrupt, I'll give you a prime example. Danny Rose, right? Hasn't played for Spurs for what two seasons nearly, near on, pretty much been involved. Danny Rose could have had a move. To a lesser club. Danny Rose thinks he's better than having a move to a lesser club. Danny Rose is very happy to sit there and pick up his paycheck and wait for his until he's a free agent, get himself back in shape, and then get a deal, championship, Turkey, somewhere like that. And that's the type of players we're dealing with. And there's a lot of them at Tottenham, in my opinion, that are like that, have been there way too long. And it's down, and for me, that's down to the board. You've got to move things on, keep it fresh. Don't let someone sit there and take the piss out of you. Because in my opinion, that's what a lot of these players have done. Sit there, stay out their contract. Uh, and you know, happy to wait there because they're getting wages. Why would they want to go somewhere else when they're, you know, one, a, a top, a top four, five, six team in the country? Might not be this season, but why? They, if they don't really care about it, they might as well just sit there and pick up the paycheck. You know, exactly. <laughs> I just saw what Phil Hamper said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll be, he'll be waiting a while. He'll be waiting a while. <laughs> but just putting on the flip side of that, obviously not getting rid of players, but I also think it's that fight for competition of place as well. We've mm. seen it this year with obviously Brian Doherty in, which I think was stupid because he's obviously a lower grade of, I thought, of Serge Aurier anyway. But once we brought Doherty in, you saw the performance level of Serge Aurier lift up. So, Patrick, do you think that's something else the board just haven't instilled? They haven't tried to get better players in. They've just gone for, let's build the squad depth, which we needed, but the quality just isn't there. Yeah, the quality's not been there. And I feel that the board, I mean, Daniel Levy, I feel sometimes... You know, that shrewd neg negotiator, the, the thing that he's heralded for is also his biggest downfall. For example, Skriniar, I mean, we didn't want to pay the extra 10 million. The same with Ruben Diaz. But we go and pay 15 million or 12 million for Jack Clark 
because he's a young, promising player and he may pay off in five or six years. Why don't we actually invest that in a player that can come in right now and actually improve us? And it's just these type of things that really, it really frustrates me because we've got guys mm-hmm. on loan that can't even get a game where we could have used that money and really invested in a top-class centre-back. And I feel we would have been basically doing a lot better than what we're doing right now. So, you know, I mean, I could go on all day. Um, there's so many issues with the board, but it definitely stems from that. And it stems from, as well, not being able to take a, you know, cut your ego and your pride aside. If Suzoko, if we bought Suzoko, for example, for 30 million, and we can only get 12 or 15 for him now, let's cut our losses and get rid of him, get out of the wage bill and get in a younger, better player. Uh, and, you know, it's that type of thing that is really holding us back. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it's just, I don't want to say it's a lack of ambition on the pitch, but it kind of is because we've seen this great stadium. We've seen this great training facility. But for me, as soon as like the doors open and COVID's vanished and all this, the revenue they're making from that stadium, am I a hundred percent sure they're going to reinvest it into the, into the football club? <laughs> no. no. And that's the really, Not really sure. scary thing. And that's what is really depressing because you sit there and think, we could be challenging up there. And I know someone said in the chat that we overachieved with the likes of Poch. Yeah, but imagine mm-hmm. if we had the players in that system that could have worked with Poch. Imagine what we could have Preach. achieved then. But but that's that's the whole that's the whole point. That's that this is this is the never-ending cycle. And Patrick basically said everything I was gonna say. But you know, when you look, and you can take the documentary for an, as an example. You see, you know, Steve Hitchin looking at Stephen Bergwin. Jose outwardly said Stephen Bergman was not his first choice, not even his second choice. He was the third or fourth choice. So if you constantly bring in your third, fourth, fifth choices, you are going to get third, fourth, fifth results, you know, because we didn't want to pay for Bruno Fernandes. We didn't want to pay that money for him. You bought in Jedson Fernandes. What was the point? The money you've wasted on that guy's wages sitting there on loan, who's had like four appearances, put the money and get Bruno Fernandes. What a difference that would have made. 25 million on Jack Grealish. What a difference that would have made. You know, Ruben Diaz, what a difference that would have made. Yes, it's a big amount of money, but we are so hell-bent on investing off the pitch. Beautiful stadium, beautiful training ground. Where is it matching on the pitch? And Pochettino said it. He said, you can have a beautiful house, but if your furniture is shit, you know, it takes it away. You can have a Ferrari. And it can be awful inside it. Not everything is how it looks on the outside. And I think that Tottenham are such a prime example of that. All shiny and lovely on the outside, but the problems inside are so bad. So, so bad. And it's an endless cycle because while they're in charge, you're going to see the same results. How many managers have we had under Enoch, right? Can't be every manager. It just cannot be. There has to be a common denominator in there somewhere. And it's the board and it's the way they handle their transfers. It's the lack of investment from Joe Lewis and Enoch. Everything that we, you know, gets put back into the squad is generated by us fans, giving them now our money every year, as we stupidly always will do. I can't wait for them to send that email out saying we need your season ticket. How nice of us have frozen the price. You know, it's, it's us, you know, fundamentally supporting the same cycle over and over again. And while they end up want to sell the club, you know, however much they value the club at two, three billion pounds with all the debt, you know, you can't even argue that this is a Champions League side anymore. How are you going to shift a club with all that when there's no ambition on the pitch? Nothing. Your only shining saving grace is Harry Kane. And if Harry Kane is really honest, and if we're all honest with ourselves, I wouldn't begrudge Harry Kane for leaving. He deserves way better from what he's got. And he's always said, I will be here as long as this club is moving in the right direction. And none of us can say this club has moved in the right direction for at least two, three seasons now. 
I 100% agree. So much to take in, Abby, because you're literally Sorry. Like, <laughs> dropping no, it's great because like everything you're saying is great. And I just want to point out what Darren said. Obviously, the the pandemic's played a part in why we did not spend much money. Now, Darren, yeah. I agree with you. And um, me and Patrick were kind of talking about this before we came on. And I just think that this pandemic has been not a blessing in disguise, but that kind of feel that that'll be their number one excuse to why they mm. don't spend it. And Patrick, yeah. you're itching to talk, so go for it. Yeah, I, I was just saying, I feel the pandemic, it's the, I hate to say it because it is a global pandemic. There is something really real going on, but it was the right time for Dan Levy and, um, and the board <laughs> to basically, it was a perfect excuse at the perfect time. The fact that we've lost so much money, I mean, Lady Gaga concerts got cancelled, you know, the Guns N' Roses co concert got cancelled, potential boxing, you know, uh, big bouts, NFL. It means that that lack of, you know, funds coming back in, it really gives them an excuse not to spend. But it's just, you know, it's the same old thing. And um, the thing is, when Jose Mourinho was appointed, I know it divided the fan base, but I was I was all for it because I thought it would actually change. I thought, you know, Daniel Levy understands what kind of manager Jose Mourinho is. He's a manager that needs backing. He needs the right tools to provide, you know, to obviously, you know, get the results. But we all know that Jose Mourinho... If he is given the tools, he can get the results. So I thought Jose Marie, uh, it, it meant that we were actually going to change our philosophy and really go in and buy ready-made, proven world beaters right now. So I was all for it, thinking that we was actually going to change our approach and live in the moment instead of buy for the future like we usually do. But obviously, as we can see, we've had a window or two and it's pretty much the same old, same old. And with Jose Mourinho at the helm, it doesn't make sense. We should have went for a younger manager who plays on the front foot who actually can build a maybe a four-year five-year plan jose's not mm. going to be that he's a guy for the now and so we need players for the now like abby said your ruben diaz's your Bruno fernandez's your screeners all these kind of guys that can come in and have an immediate impact we haven't you know i mean i know hoiberg has come in and done well but you can't really say we've come you know we've went out and bought a, a world beater that's come in and and uh, pretty much improved the team can you so it's just the same old crap, man. And it's just so frustrating because we were so close at one point and now we're like that far away now. We're just, the gap's getting wider and wider. Miles. Just riding mm. the wave, I feel, with our boards. They're just like, oh, we've done all right this season. We'll be fine another season. And then again, mm. rather than being proactive, we've been reactive again because now they're thinking yeah. to themselves, oh shit, now I need to do something. And that's the most... Yeah, but but the, the, the thing is they're going to spend the money on most likely sacking Jose because they probably will sack Jose. If Look, even if it doesn't happen in the summer, if fans are back in there, August, September, and it's the same thing, he'll be gone by October, realistically. We know that's going to that's what's going to happen. So the money you will spend on sacking that manager, what, 30 million quid, that's a player. That's what annoys me. Or, and like, like Patrick said, you know, we're going to bring in a manager that's got another four or five year plan. Well, we had a manager that had a four or five year plan. The plan was on course. All he needed was a bit of backing. And there we go. Yeah. So we're going to bring in someone like a Nagelsmann, potentially, who's like a Poch 2.0. So why don't we just yeah. keep Poch, you know, and do the yeah. same thing? It's hmm. just, like you said, it's just an endless cycle that's just a load of crap each each year. And we're still living through it. I don't know how we've lived through it, but we're somehow <laughs> still sticking in there. Now, I'm going to turn things even more depressing. And obviously, that hmm. is to talk about Harry Kane. Now, for me, I would like to think that Harry Kane is a one-club man. But me, personally, as a footballer, is thinking to myself, I want to win trophies. So, Patrick, I come to you first. Say Harry Kane was to leave. Where's he going? You know, 
as well, I think as well, we're in a perfect storm because Harry Kane on any other, under any normal circumstances, you have the pick of clubs, you know, fighting for him or the queue would be around the corner. But because we're in COVID, because most clubs have lost so much money, I don't really feel that there's that many clubs that can afford Harry Kane right now. Um, I believe Harry Kane would like to stay in the Premier League and hopefully, well, for him, smash Alan Shearer's record. So again, that limits the amount of clubs. Man United, if he moves to Man United, they're not really, it's not guaranteed that they're going to win trophies. And even Liverpool, for, you know, as good as they've been, you can see how far they've fallen away this year. Again, it's not guaranteed they're a team that will pick up trophies. So, realistically, in the Premier League, there's only one team that we know will be fighting for trophies year in and year out, and that's Man City. The fact that Aguero is leaving this year, it makes a lot of sense. But then also, Pep come out and said that they don't have the money to spend this summer on a big-name, you know, striker. I don't know if that's just to basically, you know, stop the speculation on their side. So, realistically, in the Premier League, I could only see him going to Man City. Obviously, outside of the Premier League, there's probably a few more clubs, like your PSGs, maybe Real Madrid or Barcelona. I know those clubs, again, have got a lot of money troubles and debt at the moment. But there's probably four or five clubs in the world football that could afford him, and it would make sense for him to move to. But in the Premier League right now, I'd probably say it's only Man City that I could see him moving to. Mm, that's a good shout. I mean, Levy's obviously come out and said, I think it was through Spurs related, I saw the post that he's not selling to a rival club. And to be honest with you, I don't think Kane would want to go to a rival club. Like mm. we know he's, he's top them through and through. So I really can't see that. So just flipping on its head, Abby, if obviously Kane isn't to leave because of the price tag, would Sonny leave instead? Or do you yes. think if Sonny leaves, Kane would leave? Well, well, I had I had a conversation um, on another podcast last week, and I actually said this. I I don't think Harry Kane's going anywhere. Unfortunately for him, um, purely for the fact that I think we're going to outprice him anyway. He's got three years left on his contract. Daniel Levy will I don't think will even remotely consider selling him domestically. In my opinion, um, whether or not City want him or not, I don't think he'll do it. I think I don't think he could actually physically deal with the anger and the backlash that he would get if that actually happened. Um, you know even more so than what he gets already. Um, I think that we will probably turn our attention to maybe seeing Song go because we're obviously going to need money from somewhere. Um, you know, we'll get, most. I would assume, between 70 to 90 million for Song, somewhere in that region, I, I would think. Um, that money can either pay to sack Jose Mourinho as part of it or it can go back into the squad and invest it. Um, for me, the Song thing is a strange one because he was so nailed on and it was all very hot with him signing a new contract and then it going completely cold and we haven't really heard anything since um, about that. So for me, I think if we're looking to sell one of our star players and get people off the books um, for whatever reason, I think that it'd probably be Sonny. I expect Hugo Lloris to maybe go as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. And I think those, those two will give you some money, if not in wages, but also in, in able to invest it back in the squad. Um, but yeah, I think unfortunately for Kane, I think he did himself. I think he, you know, did himself up there by signing that extension. Mm, I I agree with you. It's just like if hindsight was a thing, he's probably kicking himself at the moment. And I wouldn't blame him if he was, because I wouldn't want to be in this club at the moment, having to break my back each week to try and pull out these kind of wins. So, or mm. at the moment even have to go through these losses. So I just want to move away from obviously the Man United game and everything we talk about and have a look towards the Everton game. Now, I know at the minute it's quite difficult to try and get yourself up for, for a game. So Patrick, I want to come to you. What's your kind of outlook on Everton? Because I know Everton at the moment, are, 
they're not a bit like us, but they kind of are. Their season's just been a bit crazy, and I call them the northern equivalent of Tottenham. So, <laughs> yeah. Patrick, what, what do you kind yeah. of feel I mean, on our podcast, we've called, we've called Everton for the last couple of seasons, the pretenders, because every time they look like they're there or thereabouts, they fall away. And even this year, under Ancelotti, at one point, they were, you know, they were top of the league, weren't they? And they've fallen away. And, yeah, to be fair, they're a bit like us. They're hot and cold. Um, I can't call it at the moment. I would say that we should be Everton, and we would. But this year, I just don't know. At the moment, I just I don't know. The way we're playing, I, I have no idea what, what Spurs side is going to turn up. But if you're looking at recent... The, the funny thing is, our, our actual recent form hasn't been that bad. I know we got points against... Well, it kind of has as well, to be fair. Now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but we, did, we dropped points against Newcastle. Obviously, we lost um, yesterday and we lost against Arsenal. But before that, we did go on a bit of a mini run. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen now. I just don't... I think maybe the players just... They know that pretty much top four's done. So it just depends on how professional they want to be. But I just can't call it... I. I just don't know what's, what Spurs is going to turn up, to be fair. That's me being honest. I just don't know. It's so difficult, isn't it? It's like we're trying to clutch at straws at the moment because there's nothing positive going on. And like Kev's just reminded us, they have been us twice this season, which isn't fabulous. Obviously, that um, the first game of the season, which, to be fair, yeah. we were kind of settling in. And obviously, that cup game, which Jose tried to go attacking and it kind of bits on the bum because we still couldn't defend. So I'll come <laughs> to you, um, Abby. What are your thoughts for the Everton game? How are you feeling? Very similar to Patrick. Um, could could go either way. Have got no idea. Um, I I like I like Patrick said. I can't call us anymore. I can't even fathom what would be a win, a draw, or a loss because it just depends what happens in the game. It depends if we turn up. Depends how we look in the game. I think you can tell with Spurs kind of how they're going to be within the first fifteen minutes, probably in the first five minutes of some games actually as well. Um, but so I have absolutely no idea. But they are, like you rightly said, the northern equivalent to us. They are. Um, have both got, you know, in theory, great managers of history, both. But just something just doesn't always relay on on the pitch. And I have just got absolutely no idea. It's going to be the bottlers contest on Friday night. <laughs> That's how depressing life has got. Oh, no, it's so bad. It's so bad. Do you know what? I, said, I know I said earlier that I wasn't pissed off, but the more I, this is why, the more I talk about them, the more pissed off I get. So since, so since last night, I just haven't really said anything. I've just been really, really quiet about everything. And now I've started, I can't stop. Honestly, oh, no, if we did this last night after drinking like half a bottle of gin, it, we wouldn't be able to stop to me. So I'm kind of glad we kind of left it today. But it's just. The way we're both all just depressed, like football should not be doing this to us, especially in a time of lockdown. And this is what we've got to like. It's just horrendous. I'd go like, I'd wait for the weekend after work, winding all the kids up at school saying, ha ha, I support Tottenham, you support Southampton, that crap. <laughs> and then get to the weekend and I get absolutely butchered. And then Monday morning, <laughs> I'm ridiculed for it. So it's just, I don't know where to go anymore. And it's just a sad prospect. Now, this is going to be quite a difficult, obviously, there's loads of different things happening at the club at the moment, but I just kind of want a little summary on obviously the Jose problem at the moment. Okay, so Patrick, come to you first. Are you Jose in or Jose out? Now I know this is like a straight to the point question, but you're out. Jose, you're yeah, Jose out. I think after oh, you'll be happy to know that Southampton are losing three 0 by the way, and yes. there's oh. there's 
there's one minute left on the clock, so yeah, they're done. So that that will give you a bit of Is satisfaction it? tomorrow. Wow! But <laughs> just seen that, <laughs> and that's for West Brom as well. So yeah, that's a really really bad result. But um, mm. yeah, I, I'm Jose out. I was Jose out from the Brighton game. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. I think we lost one 0 or whatever it was, and I just saw the way we were playing against. You know, no disrespect to Brighton, a really poor team at that time as well. They were really bad, and um, since then it's just been. You know, we flatter to deceive. Every time I'm, you know, I start to get excited and I start to think that we're there or thereabouts, we then obviously, you know, let points drop, let a lead slip, end up getting beaten. And I just don't think Jose Mourinho can... I just think the game's passed him by, if I'm being honest. If I'm being brutally honest, he's getting out-tacticianed and he's getting out... He's getting out mourinho by lesser managers. Every time we play a team, they seem to have our number. And these are, hmm. these are against managers that should no way near be getting a tune out of you know, a good manager with our team. Let's, I mean, yes, we're not doing that great, but let's be honest, we've got some of the best attacking players in the world. We've got a good team. We shouldn't be where we are and we shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, losing losing games. We shouldn't be giving up points to Crystal Palace, losing to Brighton, you know, losing to Newcastle, drawing to Newcastle. That shouldn't be happening. We're not, I, I know we're not good this season, but we're, we're not that crap, are we? Surely we've got some world beaters in our team. So, I think the, the Jose Mourinho experiment hasn't worked. And I think we just, you know, we just do the Amon Cool thing and get rid of him because it's just getting worse and worse. I mean, I'm, from from a few weeks ago, it looked like we were in such a promising position. We were a couple points off uh, the top four, a cup final on the horizon. And now look at us. We're all, you know, we all, I, I, feel, I feel like alcoholic right now. I feel so down in the dumps and just, oh uh, man, uh, yeah, I just, uh, like Abby said, I just, you know, this is actually, yeah, it's pissing me off. The more I think about it, it's just this season had so much promise and potential, and now we're just mm. yeah. I just want it to end right now. To be fair, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I kind of want the Euros, but I'm thinking to myself, Gareth Southgate Army. I'm not really feeling that vibe either. <laughs> but anyway, Abby, come to you. What are your thoughts on go say in or out? Um, like I said earlier, I was very much on the fence with it because. I appreciate there are bigger problems than Jose also at the club, um, and it's a factor of all three. Um, however, I'm definitely more verge on the side of Jose out um, because it's clearly not working. Players don't care. They don't listen. They're not interested in what he's got to say. So it's useless flogging a dead horse. Cut your losses. Let's move on. Expensive loss, but it is what it is. Um, but, but just because I'm Jose out doesn't mean I take the blame off of the other two factors. You know, like I said earlier, squad really needs to be held accountable. Um, a lot of them there under Pochettino, still there under Jose. Big problems there, um, which unfortunately players hardly ever get held accountable for, but I'm going to personally hold them accountable. Um, and the board. So, yes, Jose out, but I still think that this will still, we're probably sitting here in another five years having the same conversations about lack of investment, stale squads, things like that. So, yeah. Uh, and for me, it's really difficult to sit here because, like, of all the things we've mentioned, it's not just him. And I feel really hacked off at the board because, like we said, that man is a winner, regardless if he's a dinosaur. But we all know from, from past teams that he's managed, he needs the tools. And we mm-hmm. haven't given him that. But like you said, it's not working right now. And are the boards going to pay out the money? That's another question. Are the board going to put up with him for another season when fans are back in there? That's another question. So I really don't know where I stand anymore. I think it's just got to the point where this season, I just don't care what happens. Obviously, we've got the cup final to look forward to. But again, 
I'm going to be drinking from the start, the during, <laughs> and the end. So I don't remember any of it. That's just the vibe I'm going for. Um, but like Darren said, we're just down our sorrows. It'll be fine. It'll be all good. But thank you both for joining me tonight. I hope it's been a little bit therapeutic. I mean, it, it helped me a little bit um, getting the anger out. But obviously, we need to say our goodbyes, but say where everybody can find you at. So, Abby, where can everybody find you? Um, everyone can find me. Um, I put my handle in the in the name anyway. So it's at Abby, Abby underscore Summers on Twitter. Um, and on Instagram, it's just at Abby Summers. Um, so I'm less depressing on both of those. I'm just trying to keep my mouth as quiet as possible <laughs> for a minute to, to avoid winding myself up like I have done tonight. <laughs> no, it's all good. It is all good. Thank you again for joining me. And Patrick, where can everybody find you? Uh, my handle's on the... Or somewhere on the bottom, so it's at, <laughs> at Patrick Tyrant, so Patrick and then T-Y-R-A-N-T, and we do our show called Everyone's a Pundit, and that's on the Views TV official, so Views TV official channel, and you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, and Twitter, so yeah, um, follow me, I'll follow back, and uh, hopefully we can engage and have some dialogue on that. Right, thank you very much, Patrick, and to both of you, I, I do really appreciate you coming on, it is quite nice to to vent Tottenham, so to speak, to other people. And to everyone in the comments, thank you for tuning in this whole show. I know what I'm like during these kind of police hotspurs. I'm very, I'm not very good at bringing up uh, messages that come up. So thank you to everyone that has watched. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that sub button. But until next time, obviously, I'm going to try and say it with a bit of enthusiasm. But um, like I say, come on, you Spurs.